Let's do this, baby. Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Combo Courses, where we talk about cybersecurity, security compliance. And you're hearing this from a subject matter expert, specifically in security compliance. Somebody's been in this field since the year 2000. And if you have any information, if you have any questions whatsoever about what's going on, how to get in this field, how what kind what kinds of things can you do in this field, then I'm your man. Any questions you have, this is the time to ask it. I normally start this around 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, but I started a little bit early and go for about an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. However much I can I can take, to be honest with you. So this is open topics. I don't really have anything planned. I did want to talk a little bit about AI because that's where a lot of my time is being spent. And I want to give you guys some demonstrations on some things that you can help you out. Now, if you guys are interested in knowing more about AI, um, this is <laughs> this is perfect, a perfect opportunity for you because I have a free book that's going to kind of introduce you to this stuff, prompt engineering and uh, how to use chat GPT. Uh, and really, you could use this on any platform, on Bard, on Microsoft chat, uh, Bing chat, I should say, and uh, many of the other platforms that are coming out. I wanted to start off by telling you guys, as I've been getting into this, I've been in IT and messing around with technology for a long time. And um, this is the most terrifying things I've ever seen. And it's the AI is shockingly good. It's it's shockingly good. And the implications of it um, are really amazing. But for me, the most terrifying thing is the rate of change. And what I mean by that is, if you've been around since the inception of the, when the internet really started to blow up, when you, if you've been around when, when World Wide Web, when people didn't even know what the at symbol was for email, uh, <laughs> I've been around that long, all right, very telling about my age, but it blew up pretty fast. Back then, it blew up pretty fast, but it took approximately 10 years. It took about a decade for people to really catch on, like for corporations to get involved with it and all that kind of stuff. Social media probably took like probably half that time, like three, four years for people to really catch on. Like if you go back to like Friendster, right? Friendster was like one of the first social media. Probably if you go back even further than that, would be AOL. I don't know if you guys remember that. Uh and they had a bunch of chat platforms back then. Like you had Yahoo Chat was a big one, Messenger, I ICQ. You guys remember that? So that was kind of ramping up social media. So social media took probably five, six years. Uh, five or six years for it to really catch on for millions and millions of people to, to, to get in on it, right? And then cell phones. I remember traveling the world and seeing in Southeast Asia people were on cell phones already like in Japan everybody has a cell phone before Americans did you know China they were already Southeast Asia was already on the phone on the phone smartphone thing and then I came back like maybe within a couple years later America start like picking up on the smartphone thing so that took about you know, I don't know four years to trickle all over the world now it's like everywhere AI is literally taking weeks I mean, this the the acceleration of the of the change is what's really terrifying. It's terrifying because you can, it's clear that it's going to change who we are as a species. I'm talking about human beings. It's going to change us. This one 
is going to change who we are as a species. And um, what I mean by that is that with access to this, you'll be able to use it to start businesses faster. You'll be able to use it to create better materials. Science will be able to use it to cure diseases, um, you name it. That being said, they'll be able to do some terrible things too. You know, I can already see them making it into integrating it into weapon systems that already exist. I could see them integrated it into things that are not good for us, self-destructive things that we already do. They'll be implementing those things in there. And right now, there's no safety filters in there. There's not enough. I, I should say, ChatGPT definitely have safety features built in for things that are not not safe for work or like violence and gore and stuff like that. It kind of it has controls in there. Um, and, it, and it doesn't allow you to do things like because one powerful thing you could do is like use it to search people's personally identifiable information. And there's blocks in there to where it limits how you can. There's ways around it, of course, just like everything. But <laughs> but they put things in there for safety of, of all people. And that's really good. But it's not fast enough because there's some features that, for example, Snap Snapchat has integrated in, in there. They're, they're, they did it very fast. And unfortunately, there's a lot of things happening there that is not safe for people, not safe for your kids. You got to be mindful of this. That said, all of these bad things that are happening, all these things that could go wrong, I think we have to lean into it. Us as as IT professionals, especially if you happen to be a cybersecurity or IT professional or if this is what you want to get into, you have to embrace it immediately because this is not going away. This is not going to go away. And this is the time to use it to your advantage, to learn. If you've ever wanted to be on the forefront of something, if you missed when Google blew up and Amazon blew up, if you missed, uh, you weren't around, or maybe you weren't even born when the World Wide Web started exploding and you didn't have an opportunity to be, to be a part of that big explosion. I mean, I know I wasn't old enough when the PC revolution blew up, which was in like the 80s, you know, early 80s and stuff when that started happening. Exciting time. It made a, a bunch of huge multi-billion dollar organizations, including uh, Apple and Microsoft. That's when they got their their win. You know, Amazon came way later with the boom of the Internet and Google did, too. This is an opportunity right here, unlike anything the humanity has ever seen. And this is your opportunity to get involved with it. I would I would highly encourage you to learn as much as possible. And if this is you, if, if you're trying to lean into this and take advantage of this, I've got a book to start you off. It's an entry level book. It's not super high level. Um, it's talking about how to do prompts, prompt engineering, what you need to learn, like the basics, and then all kinds of resources that you can dig deeper and go further into this. Because at some point, it's going to be like browsers. Everybody's going to have to know it. And it's very intuitive. It's not hard to learn. But there are some tricks that are going to help you, especially if you're a professional or you're a business person. It's, it's helped me a lot. I'm already making an it's helping me to make an income. I should I should say that if you want me to show you, I've already written a book about it. And that book right now is free. It's free on Amazon. All I ask is a review from you, a positive review. It helps me out on my sales. And that's link. It's link in description, link in bio. You'll go to a site called if you're on TikTok. You'll see a site called uh, combocourses.net. That first button takes you directly to the site. It's free on Kindle. The, the paperback is not free. 
Um, but it's free right now on Kindle. I do this to get free review. I get this. I do this to get reviews. So if you guys could just leave me or the only cost is a review. Give me a review and I will do more of this kind of stuff for everyone. You know, um, I already give this stuff out to my people. Like I give the PDF out to my people and all kinds of other stuff. My people are the people signed up to my newsletter who I also give jobs out to, by the way. I give um not I'm not giving the jobs. I'm giving opportunities that are sent to me and then I send them out to my to the my folks. How much is the paperback right now? It's about twelve, it's about twelve bucks, if I'm not mistaken. Go to Amazon, go to that link in description. If you happen to be watching me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, link in description, link in bio if you're on TikTok. Go to the site. There it is right there. It's breaking down what you really need to know. I'm not going into like how neural nets work or anything. I might describe that in like one paragraph, but then I'm going right into what you really need to know, the practical applications of how to write a book with it, how to improve your writing with it, how to start a business with it, what you need to like, how you can use it. You can then take the prompts that I have basically as a free downloadable, all the prompts. So you can literally copy and paste them right into um, right into chat GPT and start learning for yourself. And that book right there is going to lead into a more focused book that I'm doing right now. I'm already writing it when I'm not on here talking to you guys every day. I'm writing this other book that I'm, that, that's going to go into specifically what I'm a professional at, which is NIST 800 security. Cause I just think it could be so powerful. And I'm going to give you guys a demonstration of what I mean by powerful. And that book is coming out. Probably is going to take me a few weeks to write that one. I'm already kind of in the in the middle of it, but I, you know, I got to finish it out. I got to do the editing, all that kind of stuff. But if you're on my newsletter, I usually send it out early and say, "Hey guys, what do you guys think about this book? Here it is, right here. I'm looking for reviews. You know, uh, here it is." And then they'll get it before I even release it to Amazon. So my newsletter is probably the best place to get free stuff because I give it to my people first. But if you want something now. One day, this is the last day that's going to be free on Kindle. Link in description, link in bio. It's going to walk you through what you can do. And it'll tell you what I'm already doing with ChatGPT that's been helping me out quite a bit um, to, to increase my passive income um, that I have. You know, So if you're interested in that, go ahead and check it out. It's Yes, it's terrifying. AI is terrifying. When you start to use it, you'll see how, after a while, you start to see how terrifying it is. <laughs> but... But the thing is, we have to lean into it because it's not going away. There's no way to put the genie back in the box. Um, we have to we have to master it, especially us. It's it's swim or die. Like we have to keep advancing. And this one's this is a big one. This is a big one. You cannot afford to to uh, be lost on this one because a lot of people are going to get left behind. The rate of change is what's going to make the biggest gap, I think, in history. Mark my words. The, the gap right now between rich and poor and um, those who know and those who do not know is the rate of change. What I mean by that is those who are able to adjust to all the things that are happening in our society right now. I'm not just talking about financially. Of course, there's econ socioeconomic change is happening very, very rapidly with the rise of the Internet, with social media. Some people are becoming super, super wealthy off of it. Some people are enhancing their current careers off of it. The people who cannot keep up, the gap is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mark my words. What's about to happen right now with AI is going to make that gap even bigger. Because those who cannot keep up 
are going to get left further behind. It's going to make some people way more wealthy and it's going to make some people just going to be left behind as the economy goes like this and then this other direction. It, the gap's going to get bigger because the gap is in knowledge. I don't think the gap is in um, opportunities. It's in knowledge. Some people just don't know. They just don't know. And you guys, to believe it or not, we're super early to this to this thing. We're super early to this thing. And this one, you can't miss out on this one. This, I think, is bigger than the Internet. This one's bigger than the Internet. It's bigger than cell phones. It's it's bigger than social media combined times 20. Um, I'm not even messing around. I'm not being hyperbolic. This could be, at some point, the last invention humanity ever makes. I cannot stress it enough. You have to learn it. And so um, if you're interested in learning more, the book is free right now on Kindle. All I ask is for you guys to, to add a, a little review. I really appreciate that. And that's it. I'm going to go ahead and answer some questions right now. Thank you guys for watching. Um, people got people watching me on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Facebook. Appreciate you guys. I got people listening to me on a live podcast. I hope the sound is good. If not, I'm going to repost this anyway. Um, and then I've got people watching me on, on TikTok. You guys are real active, so I'm going to take questions here first. Um, somebody said, let me see. I'm trying once I get a few certs. I'll start applying. Okay, so this was from a conversation we were having about somebody said that they're going to WGU, which is uh, Western Governor College University, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And I told them, hey, you know, go to college. That's great. I said, that, excuse me. I said, but make sure you start getting your uh, experience while you're in college. Really, really important because experience is what they really look for in the workforce. Um, over degrees, over certifications. I'm not telling you not to get a degree or a certificate. Those are awesome. But the the experience is what they're really looking for. So you got to start getting that experience. And there's no excuse right now because you already know, right? It's, it's an excuse if you didn't know, right? If you didn't know, but you guys know, you guys are watching me right now. You got to get that experience. And, and while you're in college, is a great opportunity to actually do it. You can do internships. You can do apprenticeships. They Sometimes they got a work student program. Apply for that. You can do, uh, hell, you can just uh, you can just do a freelancing. You can just be a freelancer. Put that on your resume that you fix people's uh, uh, lands, local area networks, that you fix people's Wi-Fi. That you, and you're a freelancer and put that on your resume. All your skills, put that on your resume. You need to start putting that stuff on your resume and enhancing and sharpening your skills right now. That way, when you, when you are ready, Listen, if you're always ready, you don't have to get ready. You know what I'm saying? So and I, I know David Goggins is the first person I heard that from, but um, I know that's an old saying. But if you are if you're always ready, you don't have you don't have to ever have to get ready because you're already ready. So that's what I'm trying to tell you guys to do is just be be ready right now. You know, by getting that experience right now. Don't wait until you get that diploma, the piece of paper in your hand to say, oh, I got a diploma. I'm going to magically get a job. They're looking for experience. Right. I'm not saying a degree is not going to help. It will help you. It's, it will definitely help you have a certification, all that kind of stuff that helps. But experience is what they're really looking for. <laughs> all right. Let me see. Brandon Hall, how you doing, sir? How you doing, my man? My son's name is Bruce. It's a great name. Um, let me see. Advice for 
any advice for high school students on getting internships? Um, and somebody said, please show me about uh, chat TPT. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Any advice for high school students getting intern? Let me let me open it up. Let me open up. I've got a whole bunch of professionals who watch me. You guys on Indeed.com. You guys on uh, on LinkedIn. You guys on Facebook. You guys on YouTube. All of you professionals who are watching me. What is your best advice for a high school student right now who's trying to get into IT or cybersecurity. Now, this person is saying that they um, they want to get an internship. But what is your best advice? Just give me. I'll read them out right now. Let's just take a minute to help this young man out and anybody else who's a student, especially high school or you know or whatever grade that they're in, maybe even in university. What is your best advice? I'm going to read it right now. Let me see. I think I might have some people already chatting to me on TikTok. They're pretty fast on TikTok. Um, any advice whatsoever? I'm gonna shout it out. Shout it out right now. So I'm not getting any advice just yet, but I'll give you my advice. So you're in high school right now. Your focus should be on getting the knowledge, right? You, your very your first focus should be on getting that that knowledge, that common body of knowledge of information technology. However you get it is fine, but the one I found one of the best ways is actually crack open open a book and start reading it and then applying what you learn. Um, a lab setting up a lab in your house is one of the best things that you could possibly do to start to actually enhance your knowledge so that you have a hands-on experience. So that is one of the best things that you can do. But that wasn't your question. You're saying, how can you get an internship as a high school student? So a lot of high schools actually have programs that have internships and apprenticeships already, if you didn't know. So I would check with the school. Like I know that my kids' school, um, they have an internship and an apprenticeship at the school. So you can literally get a certification. They have a class that gives you a certification in high school. It's crazy. But they have an A-plus certification class in school. If you got to look it up, like you've got to pay attention to all those boring things you don't want to listen to with your school, those Sometimes they'll have you in an auditorium and they'll have like we talk about some stuff and you like don't you're not present. Right. But that's where you want to learn that stuff, because that's where they're going to tell you, hey, by the way, we have this internship. The first place you need to check is in your school's curriculum because they might have it. They might they might already have it at your school. That, that was the first place I would check because they have it all laid out for you. Sometimes they'll have a partnership with a local college or local community college where they. Those college prep classes, as a matter of fact, where they're they're getting you a certification before you even get out of high school, right? So that's one thing. Those clubs. Somebody said, um, Presario says, Coco Presario says, advice in high school: join club centered uh, toward the topic. Exactly. It, that's awesome advice. So that's another thing. So a lot of times the clubs there will have clubs where they get together on a weekly basis or maybe after school, whatever, and then they'll be building networks or they'll be doing hacking, um, do capture the flag where they're all learning. The, one of the best places you can learn is in a group where you guys are doing labs. My best learning when I was in college was doing that very thing. Like one time, one of my classes, my best class, I'll never forget this. It was in University of Phoenix of all places. We had this dude, he just closed the book and be like, okay, we're going to set up a network. 
and we would set up a network in the class. And if we didn't have equipment, he says, okay, if you guys have computers, laptops, whatever, bring them into the class. We're going to set up a network. And people would bring in their equipment, and we'd, connect, we'd make a network inside of the class. It's all connected to a switch. And then we'd start hacking each other. <laughs> and he'd be walking us through, okay, do this, don't download this file right here, and we'd start hacking each other. And then another thing we do is set up a firewall. It's the best way to learn firewalls, actually set up a network and then create firewalls right there. And we were doing that in a in it was inside of the class. But you can do that same thing inside of high school clubs. Look in the high school. There's curriculums that already will link you up with A plus certifications and all kind of other certifications before you can get out of high school. Look for those first because those are probably the best. That's probably because they're linked up with, with universities and stuff. And sometimes with corporations. Uh, another thing is the clubs, like Coco Presario just said, the clubs are are fire um, because that's probably your best learning. And you could use that as project. You could literally put that on your resume as a project. We set up, um, you could say something like the cybersecurity club, uh, assisted the cybersecurity club in connecting um, a, a network that had a uh, Palo Alto firewall or whatever, you know, happened in there. So you could do something like that. You could put that on your resume as a, and then you could put it on as a skill you, that you know how to set up a, a local area network if that's what you did. So those are some of the things you can do. Other than that, you can go to indeed.com right now, linkedin.com, dice.com, monster.com, choose your poison, go there and just literally type in it apprenticeship and you'll find them or just put in it and then there's a drop down that filters to find specifically find apprenticeships and internships. One internships is usually what they what they're called, um, with the ones that they have a filter for. So that's that's three different ways right there that you could do it. So hope that answers your question. I got Brandon Hall's out here helping me out, answering questions. I appreciate you, man. Appreciate that. I love it when the when the IT professionals jump on here and give you some of these guys know way more than me about all aspects of cybersecurity. So if they're answering your questions, man, uh, give them a shout out. Join, like at the very least, follow them because these these guys right here is people are who could be your mentor, right? Without you even, they'll be your mentor without them even knowing it. If these, some of these guys have great, dropping great uh, knowledge on their uh, TikTok and on their social media. So you want to follow these guys. Uh, will joining a computer science help Will joining? Well, oh, well, sorry. Will majoring in computer science help with cybersecurity? Um, it depends on the courses in the class and and stuff like that. But I would say overall, yes. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna sit there and um and say that no, you're not gonna get any experience from a computer science class. It's gonna, of course, it's gonna help you out. It's gonna that common body of knowledge, any information you can get from software engineering, software development, engineer, any kind of in, uh, system security engineering, system engineering is going to help you with cybersecurity. Because cybersecurity is multidisciplinary. Cybersecurity, it, it includes software, hardware, the organization's processes, something people don't normally talk about. Um, it includes making sure there's an inventory list of hardware and software, a baseline. Um, all that stuff is included in cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is multidisciplinary and it's very it's a very broad field that people think that's only hacking because of me, social media and, and a lot of the big wigs, they're they're actual programmers and stuff, right? So unfortunately, they have the 
they have the ear of the the common the public. But I'm here to tell you that cybersecurity is much broader than just hacking and just pen testing and red teaming and software engineering. You don't have to know that stuff to be good at cybersecurity because cybersecurity is a very broad field, right? Some people split hairs and say, well, Bruce, you're not talking about cybersecurity because that's hacking <laughs> or that's criminal investigations or whatever. Or they say, no, Bruce, you're talking about information security. That's that's a first with glasses. <laughs> uh, that, that's what they say. But I'm like, nah, nah. Like, you can call it what you want. Cybersecurity is protection of an organization's confidentiality, integrity, and availability. The confidentiality is protecting the the sensitive the sensitive information. Make sure your secrets and don't get out. In, uh, integrity is making sure that. When you originally create the data, it's not manipulated when you store it, when you it's in trans when it's being transmitted or when it's being processed. It's it it has the original intent of the when it was from when it was created. And then availability is making sure that the data is available to users when they need it. And and the actual people who need it can get it when they when they need it. Um so that's that's what we're protecting. And that's not just hacking, right? If you think about it. You got physical security is one of the most important things of all. Nobody who's nobody's talking about that. Cyber. Uh, if you listen, listen, it doesn't matter how think how secure you think a system is against hacking, or technical, um, technical um, contact with the system. If somebody can physically contact the system, if somebody physically can grab your your phone or your computer or your laptop, guess what? It's compromised. Because there's so many things that they can do to get into that system. Uh, so you've got to be thinking about the physical security of, of that system. And physical security is a part of protection of that computer. Tell me I'm wrong. Physical security is just as important, if not more important, than the technical piece. I mean, granted, you can just encrypt all the data, right? Data at rest, you can just encrypt 100% of the data. And then if it's the phone is lost then what do they have right they have a they have a dead device that has you know that's this is true that's absolutely true but that's part of physical security if you can if you can encrypt all the data at rest then you've you've successfully protected the information um so somebody actually physically gets a hold of it they can't what are they going to do with it i mean there's still stuff they can do with it to be honest with you even if you've <laughs> even if you've done so i'm just saying like there's many different parts and pieces to physical to cybersecurity, and and that's one part that's kind of missed. Cybersecurity is very very broad, and this is coming from Smooth Virus. Smooth Virus is a colleague of mine who is um, well versed in cybersecurity, and is very broad. I I agree, it's very very broad. The organization I worked at, uh, me and me and Smooth Virus worked at the same organization, and we did all kinds of risk assessments and they included physical security. They included looking at the processes of an organization It included many things besides just scanning or hacking or whatever. Right. So beyond pen testing. Um, let me see here. Let me see. I've got some other questions and comments and stuff. Smooth Virus says, uh, I'm working on moving user 
monitoring tools to the cloud now. That's awesome. That's awesome. I won't ask any other questions about those tools or what you're doing because I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to. Um, I mean, I would like to talk about it, but probably not publicly. Uh, let me see. David, how you doing, man? Long time no see. Said that's why compliance is great. It touches every aspect of security personnel, physical and cybersecurity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, that is so true, man. Um, that's one of the good things about it is that you have to you have to have a very broad knowledge base to do compliance because compliance compliance is taken from the regulatory and and um, the the regulations and the standards within an industry. So it could be federal, it can be the federal industry, it could be um, it could be the financial sector, it could be the healthcare industry, it could be manufa manufacturing. I don't know if I already said that. It could be any different aspect of all these different sectors and industries, right? And there's different laws to help protect that information because you have different types of information which require different types of protection. So computer uh, compliance is saying, okay, what do we need to do? Of course, we need to make it so that our data is encrypted when it's going from point A to point B. Of course, we need to make sure that we have, we're have we solid against pen testing. Oh, absolutely. We need to make sure our ports are closed on if it's a system on the external edge of our network. Of course, right? But also, you got to protect the physical security of the system to make sure that not anybody could just walk up in your, your area and just grab a laptop and start tap, typing on it. Right. That's physical security. You got to make sure that you have personnel security. That's making sure that anybody who's authorized, uh, the only people who can get to that system are people who are authorized. And it's delineating what level of authorization that they have on what level of security of, of information they can access. That's personnel security. Role based security is a part of that. Um, making sure that the personnel that you that come in to have the role-based authority, uh, role-based access are vetted. Like that means that we've we've evaluated who you are and what you're doing. Like you probably don't want to have bank robbers uh, being doing cybersecurity on a bank, right? I mean, usually you don't want to. So um, that's that's kind of what it's personnel security is all about. So great point, David. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Let me see. Does try hack me count as experience? Um, no, unless you work directly for try hack me, um, it does not count as experience. But what you can do is put it on as a skill. There's ways you can word it to where it might help you on your resume. And I would list it as a skill. And it depends on what you did there. Like, let's say that you did one of the paths on try hack me where you were able to use in map to to uh, find vulnerabilities on a external system on a Windows server or something, right? So you could, there's a couple things you could use there. You could say, you could say that you are skilled at InMap. You could say that you are skilled at doing um, footprinting. Um, there's a few key, key words that you could use that come from that skill, but to use it as an experience as an experience. I don't know how you would word it to put it on as an experience unless you did some sort of a project that was more extensive than just going on, on try hack me um, or hack the box or whatever you're using. Um, you'd probably be best at doing like a 
if you had a project, especially for an organization, or if you had a client and you were a freelancer and you did InMap for them, you could put that on as experience. Uh, if you had a, um, if you did a pro a very extensive project at your college, at uh, some local community services, um, hell, if your uncle owns a gas station and you did a you set up a network for him, you could put that on your resume. Um, and you use the skills from TriHackMe, you could you could put that on your resume. That's the kind of stuff that you you got to be able. It's got to be something that you could put you if you're in an interview. Think of it like this: if you were in an interview and they said, "Well, what skills do you have? What what experience do you have? Do using InMap?" And you 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 said, "Well, I used TriHackMe before." You know, that's not what they mean by experience. They mean they mean like if have you done this for a medium, small, or large organization, or have you done it on your own business before? What what was something usually experienced means what was at stake? What was the what what important asset were you protecting? What did you do to protect an uh, an asset or an organization? They want to know what was at stake, like how that's going to determine the impact of your skill set. So that being said, you can put it on as a skill. And you could mention, I mean, you could say that you know InMap, you're very familiar with InMap, and then start giving them uh, some of the tags, the flags that you put on InMap, and here's how you do a silent scan, and here's what, what you do to capital S if you wanted to do a sin. I don't remember what the things are, so I <laughs> out the top of my head. Okay, let me see. I got some more questions here. Appreciate you guys. Okay, I'm not gonna <laughs> smooth virus. Congrats, by the way, man. Um, you can list try hack me as a project you worked on. Okay, okay, I hear you. I hear you, David. Um, yeah, you could probably word it as a as a project that you worked on. Maybe that's. I mean, I think in try hack me you could probably set up. You could set up like um. Your own um capture the flag or something like that but I, I don't know how you would word it maybe that's why i'm struggling is i don't know how i don't personally know how you would word it on your resume for try me but i i suppose you could you know you could you could totally list it there i personally i don't know how to word it on there so that's my my feeling uh let me see somebody said after uh certified in cybersecurity for the ic2 IC2, which IC2 certification can I plan for? Um, so what's your experience like? I would ask um Emmanuel. What's your what is your experience level? And and I could tell you some stuff. And then what direction are you trying to go in your career path? Um, so certified in cybersecurity is an entry-level certification. And um it's an entry-level certification. So from here. There's a couple directions you can go. For ISC2, probably the next step, I'm thinking there's a couple ones that you can go to. If you're trying to get compliance, deeper on compliance, then you could probably do the what's called the ISC2 CGRC if you're going compliance route for federal organizations. If if that's not an option for you, you don't that's not where you want to go. Then another direction you could go in is uh, more general, and that would be the S. 
Let me. Okay, I don't remember what it is. <laughs> SSCP. SSC. S, help me out here, guys. SSC. There's one called SSCP, which is like half. Yes, yeah, SSCP. It's a, a system security certified practitioner, and that one is um, it's like halfway to a security, uh, uh, an S uh, CISSP. I don't know if depending on your your level, I don't know if you would you could actually do this one yet, because if you have zero experience, probably this is probably not an option for you. I don't know, but I think you could sit for the test. But here it is right here. Yeah, that's another option. That's more of a general next level. Another one is if you are a healthcare professional, you're trying to spe specialize in healthcare professional, then another one within IC squared would be, that would be a really good one for you to get. If you're trying to be a healthcare IT professional would be this one right here. Uh, this one's getting pretty big. This one's got a lot of notoriety. I would highly encourage if you already work in the hospital, then this will be a great one for you to do right here. Um, if you got for you guys are just listening to me or on TikTok, I'm showing isc2.org uh, and going to some of the showing some of the certifications that are out there. So those are some options. Other than that, I would probably if you're just trying to stick with the certification route, um, another one would be Security Plus. Security Plus is highly marketable. It's kind of on the same level as the IC2, as the certified in cybersecurity IC2, but it's more marketable because everybody, people know about it more. That's just, that would be my two cents. Hope that helps, Emmanuel. All right. Um, let me see. Some people are asking me some questions here. What are your thoughts on Western Governing University? I think it's fire. Uh, Western Governing University is, um, is WGU is is helping a lot of people out, especially working adults. And I'm seeing a lot of people from there just be very, very successful in their career and like kind of like within a year's time frame, hit this hit this milestone in their life where they're making way more money. They have a degree, they have a certification under their belt. Now, these people work their ass off. Don't get it twisted, but um, that's the path that they have to go from here to there is awesome. I think, in my opinion, uh, and it's and it's actually not too high priced, you know. And this is I I'm not an alumni of WGU. I went to the one of the most expensive freaking online colleges of all times. <laughs> so I'm I have nothing to gain by giving these guys props. I just notice a lot of people are really are really winning at the game of life after. WGU. So it's something to look at if you're trying to go to university and you're working, you're a working student or you're, you know, you're a father or mother or something and you need, you're trying to get that, that degree, that bachelor's, that master's or whatever. And then, yeah, I, that's a good option for you. It's a legit, it's a legit path. Um, I just joined. What's the name of your book? If you guys just join me, um, I started this thing off talking about chat GPT and I started off talking about AI and how important it is to start working on this. It's terrifying in that you could it's the fastest growing technology in human history. And I'm this is not a hyperbolic, I'm not exaggerating. This is real, real numbers. It's got something like a hundred million users already. Uh already within within a year, not not even a year. It's, it's only been like six, seven months. 
terrifying in it, the scope of how it's going to change humanity, terrifying in that all these organizations are already integrated in, into their products that are live. And the safety measures are being are turned on for the most part, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on with, with the emergence. Like there's, for example, they they train an AI on English, right? Just mainly English. They started training on other languages, but they train they trained it on a little bit of Hindi. And based off of just a little bit of Hindi, it ended up learning the whole language. It could it could respond to you. Is there something going on with AI? And I don't think that it's been fully vetted enough for us to adopt it so quickly. That being said, it's something we all have to learn because it's about to be a part of all of our lives, whether we like it or not. It's going to be integrated in operating systems and browsers and high power tools that we use for everything from network engineering to cybersecurity. Mark my words, it's coming within, I would say within a year to year and a half, it's going to start being integrated into, right now it's actually already being integrated into tools uh, for cybersecurity. In fact, Palantir, which is um, a major cybersecurity tools already integrating a, a AI feature within it. And um, yeah, so that's all happening like right now, real time. Like it's happening within weeks and days, not not years. If you're trying to get involved in this, if you're trying to learn this and you want to sit down and like really get to know it, I have a book that's actually free right now for one one day. Today is the last day it's free. It's on Kindle. You can download it. It's just basically walking you through the main thing you need to know, which is prompt engineering. It's not going into like neural nets or whether or not it's going to destroy humanity or anything like that. It's talking about how you can use it practically for your own life. And these are coming from things that I am actually doing to use it, to integrate it into my um, into my business mainly because I can't really use it at my job. I'm working for a government, so I can't really use it for that stuff. But actually, no, I have used it. I used it for um, Splunk. I didn't I have we have Splunk in our environment and I had no. I was trying to find like a, a a way to use Splunk. I'm like, man, I'm trying to look for users at a certain hour of the day. And I don't know how to write that that script. You got to write like a regex um, path to do that. So I went to AI and I said, OK, how, I'm trying to here's what I'm trying to do. I'm using Splunk. And then it gave me a way to do it. And it taught me Splunk, too. It was like, OK, here's some of the common commands for Splunk. Here's what you're going to use that prompt gave me an idea of how to use Splunk and how to get more use out of this tool that I'm using. And of course, I wasn't in the environment. I had to like read it was teaching me here and I say, like, okay, let me write it, let me write it down here and then transfer it to the the system that I'm using. So yeah, uh you can use it for your career, you can use it for your business, and you can use it for personal use and actually it's pretty fun to use. So if you're interested in that and learning more free book in description and link convocourses.net that button right there you click it it's going to take you directly to the book all i'm asking for is a review and if i get lots of reviews i'll continue to do free books like this because it'll be an, an incentive for me to put the book out for free for you guys to give me some free reviews and then i'll just keep i've got tons of stuff my next book i'm already working on it and it's going to go deep dive into uh, NIST 800 using ChatGPT, 
And holy freaking crap, dude. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm telling you, this thing is so powerful. And I'm going to share everything I'm learning in this book. Like if you are a subject matter expert on something and you use this tool, you are freaking super powerful with this tool. It's not perfect. And being a subject matter expert in whatever field you happen to be in, you'll know where it's wrong. You'll be like, okay, well, that's not, now it's not right. You know, but if you do this, then not only is it right, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, uh, and I'll give you guys a de demonstration to stick with me. Let me answer some of these questions. Somebody said, um, somebody said, hi, Bruce. I gave you a shout out on LinkedIn. Question. What is professional services security? Uh, what is a professional services security consultant role? Data protection mainly uh, focused on DLP digital guardian products. Um, I it sounds to me like that, and I could be wrong, but a lot of consulting gigs like this, and it's mentioned in the actual product, are where you are kind of a champion for that particular product. So in other words, this organization who has this digital guardian product, they have, you know, that's their, maybe their flagship product or one of many products and services that they have. And they have a bunch of customers who, who have this thing, right? And they're selling it. They have a sales team and that sales team is like selling it to people, getting the word out and all that kind of stuff. And those guys are making a commission on wherever is bought. So that sales team, they have to really know their stuff. They got to be really good at talking to people. They have to be really good at promoting the product and all that kind of stuff. So they're going like really out there. They're really pushing the limits and as well as knowing technically how to use it, the back and front end. And then if you are a consultant um, for the professional services, sometimes you're either fixing the product. I've been part of professional services where I was fixing the product. We had this product, ArcSight is one of the ones we had. So I was fixing the product, like the product would be broken and then I would go out and I would fix the product or, or help the customer to use it more effectively or make content for them or something. And that's it. I'd be gone and I go to another site and, and do that. And then there's another one where I'd just be on the phone and I would walk them through it on, on the online and I'd walk them through how to use the product more uh, successfully. So there's a sales portion who are people on the forefront who like a lot of times they're traveling or they're talking, doing back to back meetings, talking to customers and stuff. They got to be really good with the product, how to use it, how to promote it and all that kind of stuff and working with sales and like writing up papers and documents and stuff to sell it, uh, to put the, to the service and product out there. Then there's a, a back-end team who maintain that product. The product, uh, the, the sales team get all these different customers and clients. And then you're on the back-end and you're just fielding calls and saying, okay, yeah, here's how you use it or here's how you use it more effectively or I'm going to fly out to your site and I'm going to make sure that the, this thing works and make sure that you're happy with our product or service. So usually consulting gigs, professional service in particular, that's kind of what you do. It's, it's, and it sounds like yours is mainly focused on a specific product. Um, so I hope that answers your, your question, Joe. Keep applying for those jobs, by the way. I'm trying to figure out if I'm selling products or helping people understand um, the need for the product. And is, is this a job that you've already gotten or is this like a job that what's going on? So um, it, it depends on where you're at. So you see what I'm saying? Like 
it they'll tell you normally what where you're going to be at as far as you, where you're on the forefront of sales or you're on the back end helping the people or you're just sometimes you have a part of the team that all they do is mess with the product and that's kind of the fun for the very very sharp people who are just very deep and in the weeds about the product itself and that's all they do is like experimental beta testing and stuff then they don't really talk to people there's in the background doing stuff on the system so it depends on the job they'll tell you in the job description normally when you get the interview and they'll sit you down and say okay here's what you're going to do and be doing here's where you're going to work and all that kind of thing and david is giving you some advice on that um yeah he's he's talking to you about that so i'll let him uh yeah congrats uh smooth virus congrats on everything man like you you're the man i talked to this guy he's, smooth virus is no joke just so you know <laughs> i'm not gonna put his business out there but he's this dude's no joke man he's a very impressive very very impressive man um uh, let me see uh jorge morales says i'm switching majors to cybersecurity." And I have plans to get a certification in, in a certification and in internships in the next few years. How should I process my thoughts? Um, so you're switching majors to cybersecurity, and you have plans to get certifications and internships in the next few years. And um, if you don't mind me asking, Jorge, what? what exactly are you switching from how what are you switching from because i would be interested in knowing like some people like i know some people who try to switch from their position and i'm like why would you like you i knew somebody who tried to switch from project management i'm like dude like project management's fire like you could like if you're not making six figures already like i can show you how to get six figures with a project and they were trying to get into cybersecurity or it and i'm like is that what you want to do? Because program managers make really good money. I just got my associates. Okay. Communication. and Okay. Good, 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 good. Okay. That's good. Because communication is too broad. Um, years ago, um, an early mentor of mine, when I first got into IT, he broke it down to me. He says, you want to specialize. Like IT, you don't want to be a generalist. You don't want to stay at being a general. So you want to start as, as being a generalist, right? It'll be a help desk computer support, field technician, where you're just fixing a lot of different stuff and you're skilled at many different software, hardware, whatever, and you know how to do a little bit of networking, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, right? But he said where the money starts is when you focus on one thing, when you specialize on one thing, that's when the money starts. And he said, it doesn't matter what you specialize in on. It could be networking. It could be software engineering, whatever it is, just focus on one thing. And it sounds like you've chosen cybersecurity. And that is very good because cybersecurity is very hot. Um, it's not going anywhere. Even with AI, you know, it's not going to. Here's the thing, like even with AI. They're talking about, oh, it's going to take all these jobs. So in order, I'm not saying that AI is not going to be a part of cybersecurity, but. They're not going to most banks, for example, are not going to just hook up their systems to an AI and be like, OK, AI. Fix all my security. I trust you and the, whoever programmed this to run all my firewalls and do all the firewall rules and manage all of my incidents. And I'm going to trust you to do the right thing. Go ahead. 
go ahead. Let's push the button. There you go. Go. Right. And most organizations who have a high level of who require a high level of assurance or confidence that the data is going to be what it, they say it is, are not going to are not going to trust their data to an AI, especially a beta. It's in beta right now. You know what I mean? So cybersecurity is on is on fire. It's going to be in fire for a long time. And if anything, the tools that are coming out from AI are going to help us in immensely. Like it's it's going to be invaluable. I think that all of us are going to have to use it because it's just more, it's just way more effective. It's way, way smarter than we are. I mean, it's there's no way around it. You know, that's my my opinion about it. So um, yes, that's a great plan. And so you're let me answer your question. <laughs> Switching. So first of all, it's a great, great, great move. Um, what's my opinions about you going certifications? I would highly recommend you eventually do a mm -hmm. uh, a security plus. I would highly recommend you get as much secure security experience as possible by doing uh, stuff with you can actually have work. There's work programs within most colleges have it. You just got to look for it. Uh, you can volunteer your time to help out fixing IT stuff on the campus. You, these are things to put on your resume and each, each thing you put on there are going to greatly enhance your money making potential. So while you're in while you're in school going for your degree, I would highly encourage you to get experience and skills and do projects as much as possible. And then it's not enough to do it. You got to put it on. You got to advertise. You got to put it on your resume and then put your resume everywhere. That's what I would I would advise you to do. That's the most effective use of your time. And that's going to make you some money in the long run. Think long term. Think five year goal. Don't don't think just now. Think what can you do right now? make sacrifices so that five years from now you're making much more than six figures right and don't think small think big think five years from now i'm gonna be making half a million dollars and then go after it like go after it what do you have to lose just you have nothing to lose let me see um, I got some questions here on TikTok I appreciate everybody's questions um and a lot of IT professionals are actually answering some of these questions. Thank you guys so much. If you guys didn't know, I've got a free book right now, one day only. This is the last day of the free book. It's free on Kindle. Link in description, link in bio. It's going to talk about how you can use AI to your advantage. All I ask for is a review. It's a great help for me. And if I see a lot of reviews coming from this, I'll do this all the time. I got tons of books lined up. I am a publisher. I got tons of books lined up. All this stuff is going to be a, like a floodgate over the next three months where I'm going to be releasing. And if this works, if you guys can give me some reviews, I'm going to start releasing books. And like, hey, here's a free book here. Here you guys go right here. It's free for five days, whatever, and put it out on Kindle. And actually, if you're on my newsletter, I give it out the book as a PDF for free for sometimes a month in advance before I even put it on Kindle. So go ahead and um, give me some reviews. Appreciate it so much. Let me see. Asking some questions here. Did you work at some, I don't know if they're asking me this. Are they asking me this? Do you think it's okay for me to get a degree in information systems and get a, a security certification? Oh, and then your next comment was, my school doesn't have a cyber cyber degree, cybersecurity degree program. Yes, absolutely. So 
let me let me enlighten you. So right now, I have a bachelor's degree in information technology from the University of Phoenix. I'm a high school dropout. <laughs> I'm not proud of that, by the way. I'm not proud of that. Um, to get where I am, I had to fight in two different damn wars and risk my life. So don't drop out of school, kids. <laughs> Stay in school. Don't be like me. Don't you want to grow up to be just like me? Uh, so anyway, so your your question was, um, can you get a degree in information systems? Absolutely, you can. I'm living proof of it. Um, while you're getting your, so okay, here's here's the thing in the workforce, private and public sector, meaning government, public, private, Google, Facebook, local gas stations, libraries, right. Not libraries, but local, privately owned, medium, small, large organizations. They're usually looking for experience first. And then, of course, degree is a huge bonus. So the degrees that they're looking for for IT people are the following. STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, mathematics. If you have a degree in any one of those, and experience in fixing computers or fixing routers or switches or hubs or hubs, <laughs> um, fixing any kind of technology, IT, software engineering, any kind of. If you have experience and one of those, a science, technology, engineering, mathematics, they'll take you. Most most organizations, some won't, you know, some, but most ninety five percent will. So. That said, the college needs to be an accredited college. Make sure you go into an accredited college, of course. So I'm telling you from experience, I know plenty of IT professionals who didn't have a, a cybersecurity degree or an IT degree. They had like they were I met a dude who was a double E. He was an engine. He was an electrical engineer. He was an electrical engineer and he had a master's degree and a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, which I was like, why? What the hell? But he what he did have was he had experience in um, in IT and that actually a double E degree is highly, highly valued because that's a very difficult degree. So, yeah, um, I met a dude who had. Oh, man, what's another one? A, a couple guys who had a mathematics degree. Um. I met a dude and he, they were in IT. They were working in IT, cybersecurity in particular. And I met some dudes who had, oh man, I'm trying to think some science degrees of all kinds. Um, but when I worked at NASA, a bunch of dudes had, they were in cybersecurity, but they had degrees in science or whatever. So yeah, they take uh, STEM, anything from STEM they'll take. But of course, if you have one in information technology or information systems or science or computer science or database engineering or networking or whatever, you have that degree. It has more opportunities because when you're in college, they'll have a bunch of internships that you can do. You'll you'll know enough to where you can actually start getting the experience. Um, you'll meet. The biggest thing is that you'll be able to network and start meeting people in the field already because that's your degree. So you'll just meet people whose uncle already works there or you'll meet people who already have a job, but they're doing a bachelor's degree. And then you'll 
all of the connections that you make by doing a, an IT degree of some sort, information systems, information technology, cybersecurity, any one of those will do. Information assurance, you name it. If it has to do with computers, the networking um, aspect of it is one thing that's not like talked about, but holy crap, it's huge. Um, and then you also you'll you'll start to know things like the there's an organization called the ISSA. And ISSA, if you want to know what that is, ISSA.org has a whole bunch of networking uh, contacts you can do. You go to those meetings, it's free. I mean, you can go walk up in the meeting and start meeting people. And I think after a while, you got to pay a membership. But I, the, usually they'll let you sit in for like the first couple times. And then there's like a membership fee that's once a year or something like it's not even that much money. And then you're sitting in where vendors are coming in, advertising to you. People are trading jobs. People are saying, hey, Luke is retiring soon. We're looking for a new information technology person. You know, we don't no no experience necessary, but you have to have an associate's or a bachelor's or whatever degree. Oh, you know, so um, you just start to make all these connections when you when you're in information technology. So I would highly recommend doing a, some kind of computer degree. If you're trying to do do this kind of stuff, this kind of work. Uh, let me see. I'm, I'm answering more questions here. I appreciate all the stuff here. Oh, Smooth Virus says, oh, man, I never I never thought of using ChatGBT to create a, a Splunk dashboard. Exactly. <laughs> it's fire. Yeah, you can. Um, Tenable, not so much. I don't know how. I don't really have access to the back end of that, but I probably you could use it. But some of the tools I've used it for is Exonius. Splunk, uh, you programming, holy crap, you can do some crazy programming with it. What else have I done with it, technically speaking? Um, I'm about to show you guys how I develop a test for it. Like, I'm about to blow your minds in a second. I'm doing a whole book about it, but holy crap, dude. I, <laughs> I would like to show you guys. I don't want to talk about it. But yeah, so... Um, Oh, Smooth Virus says he's got six certifications through WGU. Man, WGU is fire, man. It's fire. I mean, I know so many people who who used it. It's an accredited college. The pricing is not outrageous. It's for working adults in particular. It's online. Like, uh, David said, Chat GPT four is the ultimate starter or draft producer. It's it is. It's so it's. As a writer, it's really helpful. I I don't use it to write what I and I don't think it's a good. It's an average writer, but it sounds like Wikipedia. So it's better to use it as like um, you write something, you you draft it, like you draft as quick as possible, just draft something, and then if you give it to it, it will improve what you wrote like a lot. <laughs> but you can also use it as an outline. Here's another thing you can do. This is what I describe in the book. You could just create an outline and then take that outline of a book or a paper or whatever. Take that outline and then start to fill out that outline for whatever kind of thing you're trying to do, including templates. I use this thing for resumes a lot. Like it's really good on a resume, especially if you know what to put in there. So the last book I put out um, talked about actually, yeah, this book right here that's free. I tell you exactly how I did it. Yeah, that 
it exactly how I did it is in this book. Um, check the book out. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, let me see here. Let me see here. I got some other people talking. Yeah, everybody's singing praises of WGU. It's fire. Transferable credits. Man, thanks, thanks a lot for that smooth virus helping people out. Appreciate that. The founder of the first IT company I worked for had a double E. Exactly, exactly. So you can the degrees. It just needs to be a technical degree, and normally they'll take it. So um, that's been my experience. That said, I also know somebody who had the experience, and they had a degree in uh, Egyptology. So <laughs> I don't know where you want to take that information or where how are we going to use that, but uh, there you go. Take it how you how you want it. All right, I'm going to show you guys. Let me see if I can show you guys this, this thing I just learned here. I want to show my screen real quick. This is some prompt that I learned um, that I'm going to be putting in this other book that I'm, I'm writing. It's going to be a while before I get this one out because I'm still like in draft mode. Um, but I have it finished soon. Let me see if I can switch the screen. I don't know how much you guys will be able to see on uh, TikTok, but I'll do my best here. So the prompt is I'm on chat GPT right now. I'm about to show you guys one of the things that are coming on the, the newer book that I have. And unfortunately, it's not going to look too good on, um, on, um, TikTok, but I'll do my best here. So what I did was. And use your imagination on this, but if you happen to be listening to me on podcasts, I will explain it as best I can. But here's the prompt. Let me see if I can find it. Let me see. So what I did was I created an interactive test. And this could work on anything, by the way. It's an interactive test that will tell you if you're right or wrong and explain and then scores you at the end. And imagine doing this, not just on um, NIST 800 risk management framework, but anything. And you can change the type of tests and all kinds of stuff. So let me see if I can show you this. Okay, here, here it is right here. I'm just going to copy, copy this. And I'm going to put it in here and just kind of read it to you guys. All right, so here's the prompt. It is start an interactive quiz on NIST 800 risk management framework. Ask one question at a time. Do not show other questions until it's answered. Allow the learner to respond to the question, then evaluate the learner's response before moving to the next question. This test has three questions. Now you can also, you know, you can make more questions or whatever. And it does, let's put, it does, and it, it's multiple questions, let's say, and it's multiple, it's a multiple choice questions. We're going to say, this question has three, this test has three questions, multiple choice. That are multiple choice. Score the test once complete. 
the passing score is 80. I mean, you could change all kinds of parts of this thing. Now, one of the things, me being a subject matter expert, as I noticed, is that ChatGPT gets this part wrong a lot. It 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 constantly says the wrong amount of um, steps that NIST 800 takes. So I have to tell it every time to, hey, by the way, there's seven steps in the risk management framework process, and the, and the first one is prepare. And the reason why it gets this wrong is because for many, most of the data out there is about the old process of NIST 800, which is Rev NIST 800-37 Rev 1. Who the hell knows that, right? Who the hell, who the hell besides myself, a, sub, a nerd subject matter expert would know something like that? So that's why you can't rely 100% on NIST 800 because, you know, you got to validate some of the information it says. And for my, if you're having to be a subject matter expert on that thing, anyway, without further ado, let me show you what this looks like. Now I've got tons of questions, um, tons of stuff like this coming that I'm gonna give. That I'm gonna do the same thing where I'm, I'm gonna write a whole book about it and give it away for free. You guys just need to follow me, and I will. You know this will come out soon, like within the next month. So here we go. Here's the test. There's the first question. The first question is, it says, "Sure, let's begin the interactive quiz on NIST 800 Risk Management Framework." And it's saying, question one. What is the first step in the risk management framework process in this 837 Rev 2? What do you guys think? Cue the Jeopardy music. What is it? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller, you guys should know this. Come on. Come on. Anybody? Anybody? C. Let's see. Yep, it's C. Big Pimpin' and Smooth Virus got it. All right, C, watch this. And then I said C, it says, that's correct. The first step in the process is prepare. And then it goes on to explain what prepare is. And then it says, hey, here's the next question. Next question is, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of the, of the assess step in risk management framework process of the NIST 800? Uh, Rev, Rev, 30, uh, Rev 2, 37, um, 37 Rev 2, sorry. Uh, what is it? Okay, you guys want to answer this one? I'm going to give you time to actually read it. Um, I apologize. I've got two two different aspect ratios going, so I'm trying to adjust it, so it's hard to read here. But I'll read them. A is to document the security authorization decision and issue a authorization to operate. B is to establish the risk management framework and determine the scope of effort. C is to evaluate the effectiveness of the security controls and determine if they meet the security requirements. And C is to monitor the security controls in the information system over time and ensure that they remain effective. Which one is it? Anybody? Anybody? anybody all right so i'll answer this one <laughs> it's c uh it's to evaluate the effectiveness of the control yeah somebody Leo says c yep you got it smooth virus says c you got it so here's here's what's cool check this out this this thing is so inti intimidating um it's so um intuitive that if i just said i won't even say c i'll say to evaluate the security controls and I'll spell evaluate wrong. 
Watch this. This is how smart this thing is. That's correct. It's so intuitive. It read my response and it knew what I'm saying. Is that not incredible? Is that not ridiculous? That's Is that not ridiculous? Now let me get one wrong. So this next one is, what is the goal of the risk management framework in the NIST 837? And it's A, to ensure it's, um, confidentiality, integrity, availability of information system. Um, to, and I, that's the right answer. To provide a framework for resource management. We're going to say B. Um, to ensure the rest of these are wrong. So we're going to say B. We're going to get it wrong. See what it says. B. Watch this. I'm sorry. That's incorrect. The goal of the risk management framework is to blah, 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 CIA. And it's explaining. It. And it says, since you got two out of three questions right, you got a 66%. Okay. So that's the prompt. Now, now let, let me enlighten you guys. Let me blow your freaking mind right now. So that's a pretty cool test. That's kind of that's kind of cool, right? It's kind of cute. But let me tell you something that's not cute. Let me blow your mind on how effective this really is real quick once I switch the damn screen back. All right. Now, imagine taking that same prompt and using it for the CISSP. Now, say maybe you don't want to use the CISSP. Maybe you want to use something else. Well, if you go for the ISC2 squared, uh, ISC2 squared uh, GCR, GCRC, well, if you go for AWS certification, what if you go for the C-Risk, ISACA? What if you go for PM, PMP? You can do this on any on any quiz. You can do this. You could probably do this on, on the bar, the bar for Louisiana. I bet they would work for that too. So it's so intuitive. It's been trained on the entire internet since 2021. I mean, probably most of the internet, I should say, not all of it. So, yeah, this is super effective. And that's that's the next book I'm working on. It'll be have a bunch of questions like that, not just multiple choice questions, uh, but all kinds of stuff uh, that's related to cybersecurity. I'm going to focus on that. Um, and it's just, I'm, it's blowing my mind. And so those questions are super easy for me. I mean, I do that stuff every day, but I, what I did was I was like, Hmm, I want to make this harder. So what I did was I took out the, the, uh, multiple choice. And then I was like, okay, what about comprehensive tests? Then I was like, okay, what if you had a mock organization and it had organizational based practical questions and those were hard. <laughs> I was like, damn, I had to read them. I'm like, Okay, what would the organization do in this situation to make it so that NIST 800 could be valid? You know, like it was questions like it got that difficult. And I'm sure I could ask questions that would be too hard for myself because um, it's just way smarter than any human. So, I mean, it's just got way more knowledge, way more, way more intelligence, way more intel. I mean, I don't know what you call it, but the, its pattern recognition is off the damn charts. I'll just put it to you that way. Let me see. Smooth Virus says, I should use it to create a, a practice quiz for the AWS cloud practitioner. Now you're talking because that's what I'm working on now. Exactly. What I this this thing I just typed in this this interactive question, that little prompt that I just typed in will do it for you. I could change it right now to do. In fact, let's do it. Let's change. Let's change this thing I just did to just do AWS questions. AWS cloud practitioner. Let's do it. 
Okay, let me take this thing right here. Now, I'm not a subject matter expert on cloud, so I don't know how much it'll be right or wrong. So let me just put it in here. Okay, it says start and enter. Let me show my screen. Let's do this. Let's do this together. Start an interactive quiz on NIST 837. Okay, so right there, we're going to change this to NIST 800. We're going to say start an interactive quiz for A. AWS, oh, CLF is the test name. Okay, I'll put both in there so it's not confused. Cloud, uh, cloud practitioner, practitioner, and, and then I'll put in parentheses, uh, C, I'll spell that wrong, but I'll, I'll go back and fix it. Dash C01, that's this, it's going to be cool. Practitioner, practitioner, practitioner. Okay, I guess I spell it right. Let me show you guys on TikTok what I'm doing here. I don't know how much you guys can see, but all I'm doing is modifying the original one to reflect a cloud practitioner test to see if we can get the same type of test that's um, graded. Three questions, that's cool. Make it, okay, remember that NIST, okay, we don't need this last part. That might be all I need to change, let me see. Start a interactive quiz on AWS Cloud Practitioner uh, CLF-C01. Ask one question at a time, blah, 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 blah. Let's see if it'll work. Oh, look at this. Scenario. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't, I'm not going to know these questions. And there's no multiple question, multiple choice either. Did I miss the multiple choice part? Okay, I already don't like this test. Oh, I said no multiple choice. Okay, let's change that. <laughs> we can't have that. I can't answer this question. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. Let's cheat a little bit. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do the redo this. We're gonna redo this. Uh, qu three questions are multiple choice. Are multiple choice. Three. This quest. This test has three questions that are multiple choice. Um. Give hints. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Cheating a little bit. Okay, here we go. Let's see if it'll work. Oh, sorry, it's not gonna work. What? Sorry for the confusion earlier. Oh, it's apologizing for my mistake. Wow, thanks, ChatGPT. Uh, it was my mistake, by the way. Okay, anyway, <laughs> this is why. Is this not crazy? This is blowing my mind. Okay. Okay, it says you are an IT consultant for a small startup that is planning to move its operations to the cloud using AWS. The company has has limited IT resources and wants to ensure that it is using AWS in cost of, in a cost effective manner. Okay, a cost effective and secure manner. Question D. Somebody said D already. Smooth virus said D. <laughs> Which of the following is a benefit of using AWS for small businesses like startups and consulting? Uh, okay, let's see. And the answers are A, low security and compliance. Low security and compliance risk compared to on-premise, on-prem uh, in, uh, infrastructure. 
high operational cost compared to on-prem in uh, infrastructure. C, limited scalability and flexibility or uh, of infrastructure. And D, pay-as-you-go pricing model for infrastructure. D, okay, I got two Ds. Anybody else? I got some double Ds. Anybody else? Can I get an A? Can I get a B? No, it's D. Okay, let's see. I'm just going to say pay. Look how smart this thing is. I'm just going to say pay as you go. Pay as you go. Watch this. Pay as you go. That's correct. <laughs> and then it goes on to explain it and then goes on. Look, at this is freaking. Yo, this is crazy. This is crazy. Now, imagine whatever certification you're trying to do, you could do the same thing that I just did with chat GPT. These are the kind of questions, these are the kind of stuff that I'm put on this next book I'm doing. But it's gonna be specifically for NIST 800. It might include some of the certifications that are good for it, like Security Plus or something like that. But yeah, look how powerful this thing is. I mean, it's ridiculous. Oh, the next one, C, let me see. <laughs> my man, my man, C. Okay, let's see if you're right. Let's see if you're right. C. That's correct. You got it right. Smooth virus. Wow. Here's the next question. Smooth. Uh, since you want to finish this quite, this is the last one here. Just for you. Just for you. There's the question right there. Um, actually, I don't know if that this last part is okay. There it is, right? That's the question. So yeah, there you go, guys. You guys want a free book on how to get into this. AI business, this AI stuff, you can use it, by the way, not just for your job, not just for certification, but for business. That's what I've been using it for. I've already been making money off of it. I ain't going to lie. It's, it's pretty incredible, man. So, uh, yeah, check that book out. It's free right now on Amazon. Link in description, link in bio. Um, everybody's eventually, all of us are going to have to have this, this skill. So it's just a matter of time. Oh, Smooth Virus is done. Let's see. A. Let's see. Hey, my man said Beanstalk. I'm just going to put Beanstalk. I like to see what it, like, it's amazing to me that it can just, it's intuitive. You're the man. 100% right, Smooth Virus. Look at that. My man, my man's no joke. Smooth Virus is no joke, y'all. I think you're ready for that, that question, that quiz right there. So there's a couple things I could have done with this quiz, by the way. What we can do with this quiz, with that prompt is you can add more questions. Like you can make it a 20 based question, 20, 20 different questions. You can make it open, open ended. You can include comprehensive answers, true and false, multiple choice with multiple answers. You could, uh, you could do an essay. You could have it, have it do an essay and then you write the essay and then, it, and then uh, plug it in. You could probably even do a practical if it included, if the practical included, um, um, Command line, because you can do command line interface with it too. Yeah. So command line interface, you could like have it test you on. Uh, command line interface, by the way, is on firewalls like Palo Alto. It's on uh, it's on iOS for um, Cisco, Cisco iOS um, operating system. You could do it on the back end of Windows, the back end of Macs, which is also Linux. You can do all Linux systems. You can do uh, command line interface is on most um, 
most business systems. So you could actually have a practical that goes into not just the test could include practical questions where you have to do, you have to type in responses. So it's, this thing is incredible. Yeah. So it's incredible. Like you got to get into this. You got to use it because at some point, all of us going to have to know it. They're already in, integrated into several different, um, into several different products and services that we all use. It's already happening right now. It's going really fast. In my opinion, it's going a little too fast. But there's no turning back now. What program are you using? So the program that you saw there is called Chat GPT. Uh, Chat.openai.com is where you'll find it. If you want more information, more comprehensive information, then go to uh, go to the link in description. If you're on TikTok, go on LinkedIn description and go to uh, combocourses.net. There's a free book on Kindle, and the payment for that is uh, is all you got to do. Is put in a review and then you get the book for free. <laughs> no, seriously, like the book is free. So go to go to that link. There's like a button there, it takes you directly to Amazon, books free, and then it has um prompts. Prompt engineering is what they're calling it. Um, and it's walking you through standard prompts, prompt priming, how you can use these tools, not just for work and for certifications and for tests, but for your for a business. For a side hustle that you have, if you happen to have one, I would highly advise you to get a side hustle of some sort in this economy. But um, so, yeah, that's what it's for. It's really for um, not just for profit, but also for fun. OK, let me see. Big Pimp says, um, can it give some decoding needed to create AR-15 lower on a printer on a 3D printer. Hmm. I bet you it could. I bet you it could. I bet you, because the thing is you can use it for, now I don't know, I'm not sure like what if you need like a 3D image, but what you could do is, I don't know if I should be telling you this about AR-15, to be honest with you. Anyway, what you could do is um, you can use it for images. So, what I, what I do in that book, by the way, in that free book right now, that's free on Amazon for one last day. <laughs> uh, anyway, so in that book, seriously, go to link in description. The book actually describes how I use it for images. Um, you can use it for images on MidJourney. You can literally just have it do uh, MidJourney, by the way, is another AI. What's it called? The book. Go to the link in description. The link is in description. It's called ChatGPT um, Prompt Engineering, and it's got 300. Um, it's got 100 different prompts that you can use throughout the book, but uh, it'll take you directly to it. If you're talking about the actual book and, and the actual, the book will take you to uh, ChatGPT, but if you just want to go straight to ChatGPT, it's chat.openai.com, and that takes you to the site. You got to sign up for the site. It's free to sign up and then they have a free service and they have a paid service and you could just mess around with it for free. And if you want to, there's actually several other ones. Bard, if you go to Google and then type in Bard, Google has their own version of AI. Uh, it's not as good, not even close, but uh, it's OK, you know, for real simple stuff. But it doesn't it's not 
<laughs> it's not as effective as ChatGPT. Bart is weird to me. Yes, it's not. It's not there yet. I'm surprised Google because Google's been doing AI for a long time. They've been, I mean, they've been really hardcore on on AI for like probably the last ten years. So I'm really surprised they got beat on that one. Uh, and then Bing Bing's is a lot better, but it not still not as good as ChatGPT because they've kind of put too many filters on it or something. I don't know, but it's. It's based off of ChatGPT. Basically, it is ChatGPT four, but they put some kind of filters on it. So you would think it'd be more effective because it's connected directly to the internet. But I don't know. I think ChatGPT is better. For now, there's other versions of ChatGPT. There's other clones of ChatGPT. There's one called ChatGPT for all. There's one called um, shoot. Um, there's one called. There's a site called Hugging Face that has a all kinds of stuff. There's just so many things happening all at once with chat, with AI that, I mean, it's just everywhere right now. There's downloadable ones you can put on your local system. There's a bunch of them out there that you can, that are alternatives to chat GPT. Right now, the big dog is chat GPT. It's just more effective than anything else. Complex perplexity is another AI that's so good. Hmm. I'm gonna look at that right now. Thanks for that information. Digital product market. Uh, let me see. Perplexity. Perplexity. Never heard of that one before. AI. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Interesting. See if it'll do the quiz. Let me, I'm going to switch my screen, show you guys what I'm doing right now, live. I'm going to do it live. Perplexity. Huh? There's perplexity. Perplexity.ai, by the way, if you want to follow along. And I just typed in the, the uh, AWS cloud practitioner thing we just did. And, hmm, look at that. Look at this. This is really good. Dude, thank you. I like the layout. Ooh. Oh, it didn't do it. It didn't do it step by step, though. I'd have to do some reconfiguring to make it do step by step. But it did answer ask some questions, though. Huh. Nice. I like it. I like it. I would have to rewrite this. It didn't work for this particular. It's supposed to go one one question at a time. It didn't do that, but it's still good. It answered all the questions. <laughs> what? Did it just answer all the questions? It made the test and then answered the questions itself. Okay. Anyway, this is awesome. I'm going to have to save this. Thank you for that. I appreciate you. I'm going to have to mess around with that one. I've been messing around with Bard. Um, Bard's not, it's just not that good, man, yet. It's just not that good. I don't know. It's disappointing, man. It's kind of like I've been rooting for that, for that. Um, it's like my team, Google's my my team, and they lost. <laughs> um, it's getting there. Way better than Google Bard. Um, by the looks of it, it's way better because I actually tried some of those from some of my tests on Google Bard, and it just like, I don't know, man. It's not even 
halfway what I was trying to do. I mean, and then I tried other prompts with it. Just I couldn't get it to work properly on Google Bard. On Bing, Bing seems like it's closer, like perplexity, but not quite there yet. Maybe I just need a few more hours on it. What role does cybersecurity play in the world of quantum computing? Awesome, awesome, awesome question. I can answer this one. Um, so right now, governments and organizations around the world are scrambling uh, to make sure that they are on a proper version of encryption because quantum computing can break basic basic and medium encryption. So if you're wondering, like, why is that important? Well, whenever you log into your bank, you use encryption. Whenever you go to certain sites, whenever you go to certain sites to log in, and what's what's protecting your password is encryption. On the databases that protect your password, it's encryption, right? Everything, they're basically all of this whole infrastructure on the internet, all privacy, all sensitive information is based off of encryption. That said, think about all the years and years of people using old encryption, where they've encrypted very critical information. Governments around the world are are collecting are collecting encrypted information and then trying to crack it over time because they know the quantum computing is able to crack it. So, um, <laughs> so quantum computing can crack hardcore encryption. Um, it's huge. Quantum computing is insane. And I I can only imagine what's going to happen when AI meets quantum computing. I mean, I don't even know. I can't even fathom how amazing that'll be. And I'm surprised nobody's talking about that. But holy crap. <laughs> when AI gets to quantum computing platforms, I mean, we're probably 10 years out from that. Uh, which encryption is safe, is not safe, against quantum computing. So we're we're a few years away from this happening because you have to develop the software that can crack the codes. The computing power, what I'm saying is the computing power of quantum computers is such that it can it can break a lot of encryption that we rely very, very heavily on. I'm not talking about hash uh, SHA-1 or something that was cracked like 10 years ago by the Chinese. Or I'm not talking about, you know, shit. Uh, what's the other ones? There's several that have been cracked over the years. DES, DES has been cracked. Um, several have been cracked. SSL version 1, you know, is gone. It's done. Uh MD5, yeah, all a lot of these have already been cracked. So I'm not talking about those. Those have been cracked a while ago by by governments and, and universities and stuff. I'm talking about ones we use right now. It could crack some of the ones we use, we all use for our banks, for our logging in, for encryption of our personal identifiable information, our all information. Just think about how unraveled places will be. If, if somebody had a computer. That could just crack all encryption. Think about how crazy that would be, right? Nothing would be safe. No money would be safe. Even some cryptocurrencies, by the way, would be gone because you could crack it. 
So you can not only access it, but you can unravel it. Like you could destroy markets with that technology. So what's happening right now is that organizations are trying to get on secure um, platforms. So let me let me just show you what I mean here. So what I typed in here into Google is which encryption is not safe uh, is not safe against uh, quantum computers. And um, when large scale universal quantum computers are built, you still you you will still be secure using uh, you uh, you will still be able to securely use symmetric encryption algorithms, but not uh, systems like RSA and Delphi Delphi Hellman. So what that means is a lot of stuff we all use right now can't use it no more because a lot of stuff uses RSA and Delphi Hellman. A lot uh, uses this. And um, let me see. No, thanks. Let me show you what I mean. Give you a, a, a bigger picture of the role of quantum computing in, in cybersecurity right now. A practical understanding of what I'm talking about. See if I can explain this like from a bird's eye view here. This is some some article about it kind of going into some of the stuff I'm, t I'm trying to tell you here. Uh, waiting for quantum computing, why encryption has nothing uh, to worry about. So some encryption does, to be honest with you. Um, and they have this, let me see if this is explaining it well. Um, quantum computers. Is this telling us what can be cracked? That's what I'm looking for right now. Right. So at some point, um, some, some encryption is safe, is good, but a lot of it that we use right now is not. And this is a, this is a picture of a quantum, the guts of a quantum computer right here. It's right now, it's, it's so expensive to, to use. Um, the cooling on it is so expensive, like only large organizations are able to pull this off right now. But at some point, you know, it's just like all other computers, it's going to get cheaper. It's going to get more commercialized so that smaller and smaller organizations can actually um, can actually use it in their environments. Right now, there's not much of a the practical use for it, I should say, is for science, you know, major science projects and things like that. But not like everyday people can. It's not just not used by us yet. Um, let me see. Computer safe certificates. I'm trying to find a breakdown of all of the keys that are not safe to use for RSA and Deffy Hellman are two of them, but there's actually more. I'm trying to find a breakdown of where they talk about that. Uh, let me see. 
no longer. So there we go. Here's a good list. Okay, here, here we go right here. And I'm sorry for the, the, this being blurry, but um, RSA no longer secure against uh, large-scale quantum computers. Um, Duffy Hellman no longer – we already talked about that one, but here's a, another one. Um, DC uh, ECDSA is another one. No longer secure. Uh, DSA, no longer secure. The ones that um, SHA2, larger output needed. Okay, so these are, just need to be improved. AES, I believe, is large size. Okay, so these are okay if you have a larger size encryption key, I, I guess. That's what it's saying. I'm not... Freaking super smart on encryption, obviously. But their question was, what's the role of quantum computing on cybersecurity? It's uh, what's happening right now is organizations and governments are scrambling to get off of some of the ones that are not secure against uh, large-scale quantum computers. That said, we're not quite there yet. Um, there might be some governments that have it already. And then probably if I had to guess, I'd say there's some three letter organizations who already have access to cracking all this stuff and probably some governments within other countries probably already have it. I, if I had to guess, I'd say that they Chinese government. Yeah, maybe they probably already have it. So that's probably why they're scrambling to get people off of this right now. Cause they're not going to normally like something like five, 10 years before it's released to the public or they say anything. They already have access to all this stuff. And so if you're using RSA or Defi Hellman or whatever, your stuff's already compromised. You know what I mean? So it's just a, it's in the hands of a few very powerful organizations. And they're able to like, you know, do it when they need to. And they're just a little bit more conservative about how conservative about how they use it because they want to hide their cards. They're not trying to hide their cards to the other countries, right? So they probably already have access, but they're like, should we use this card? Not because if we use this card right now, they'll know what we we're capable of and they'll stop using RSA. So let's just keep our cards close to the chest. We're not going to say anything. Now, keep in mind, guys, I don't know. I'm not in these. I'm just a, I'm just a caveman. Right. I don't know what's I really don't know. I have no idea. I have no insight into these. I'm an ignorant savage. I I don't have no access to any of this information. Have I worked in the government before? Yes, but I'm a peon. I have no knowledge of this stuff at all whatsoever. I'm just guessing. This is just guesswork. OK, I promise you, I'm not. This is not me trying to be, you know, I, not, this is not a joke. I do not know if you happen to be in the government and you're like, hey, how does he know that? I don't. I'm just speculating. This is speculation. I've been in IT for a long time. So I'm just I'm guessing based off of my years of experience. That's that's all I'm doing. OK, so I'm not I don't have any information that the common public doesn't know that I would be sharing that would put me in jail. <laughs> I don't care enough to do something like that. So just so you know. Anyway, that's that's what it has to do with it. That's a great question, by the way. Great question. I wish I could be smarter on on that stuff. I don't I don't know enough about it uh, to be to articulate like what's the real problem with it. I just know what I know.
Oh, man. I'm just a construction worker that watches too much Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's a better response to what I had. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. We've been talking for about almost two hours now. I appreciate everybody. Uh, thank you guys for all your questions. I wish I could have answered more. I'm going to cut it short today. I'm going to try to do another one tomorrow. I think I'm going to – I've got another release of uh, another book that I – I'm going to bundle in some old stuff I did together. That's how I'm able to release so many books so fast. I'm a, I might release that one tomorrow um, and start just like I do here. Jump on one of these lives and start giving them out. I'll let you guys know. Um, so just follow me, you know, uh, subscribe. Like I said, there's a free book right now. And this one's dealing with prompt engineering. If you're interested in that one, it's on Kindle. The only payment is a review. Just give me a review, you know, leave it on there, a positive review. If you guys don't mind, if you have a couple extra minutes, just give it, you know, a little five star. There helps <laughs> helps me out quite a bit. You know, if you're trying to help out this community, that's the way to do it. It gives me some coffee every now and then. That's all I'm asking is just a little bit of coffee sometimes. And that's what does it. Those are reviews are money. So that's it for this one, guys. Um, check me out on the next one. If you're on my newsletter, uh, free books are coming real soon. Free resources, free stuff. Combocourses.net if you want other free stuff. Thank you guys for following me. I appreciate everybody. Um, this was a great one. I had a good time. Uh, thanks, Smooth Virus, for that. Man, that was that was really that was really cool. I appreciate you and everybody else. Thank you for all you professionals who are helping people in the comments that I can't get to. Thank you so much, Brandon Hall and everybody else. I'm out of here. I'll try to talk to you guys tomorrow. Because I got more stuff to advertise.